Uh, right now, let's bring in the district attorney of Suffolk County. And his name, of course, is Ray Tierney. And uh, nice enough, a busy morning it is uh, for Ray. And we say a very good morning to you, sir, and a very happy new year. Uh, thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. It's great having you. Listen, we knew we knew it was coming, Ray, and uh, it certainly uh, it certainly disa- didn't disappoint many following this investigation of the tie-in, rounding out the Google for the uh, indictment uh, of Rex Yerman for the death, the murder of uh, Maureen uh, Brainerd Barnes, and a lot of people were wondering, uh, you know, how long would it go and everything else. You basically stated on this show uh the grand jury coming through all of that evidence there's a lot of evidence taken out of that massapequa park home way back and it takes a long time to process uh put in play and thus what occurred yesterday uh if you can assess that for the audience that'd be great yeah so you know we started the case or or the the case became public with uh the the indictment of the three uh victims uh, and, uh, you know, we were still continuing to work, uh, through, uh, the, the fourth victim, a primary piece of evidence we were waiting on with some nuclear DNA, uh, which we, we got. And then, um, you know, there were a lot of evidentiary loose ends to, to, uh, follow through on the grand jury. So we worked through that and, uh, we've concluded it. We've charged the, the fourth murder, the murder of Maureen Brainerd Barnes, uh, and, uh, you know, that ends the, uh, pr- pr- the invest- grand jury investigation of the so-called Gilgo Four will uh, continue with the trial prosecution and will also continue to investigate those other murders. Indeed, and that's where a lot of questions uh, still come into play as far as people wanting to know. You know, you got the Shannon Gilbert aspect, Ray. You have a little bit with uh, the former chief of the department in uh, Jimmy Burke. A lot of questions. Uh, Peter Hackett, obviously. Uh, he was the house that Gilbert was running from. Lo- loads of questions there. And a, and a lot of people think, you know, there could be some tie-ins. You know, you got, uh, you got a guy who's already serving uh, and incarcerated for two deaths in uh, Tang- Rita Zangretti and uh, Cindy McNamara. So, you know, I think there's still a ton of questions, and it's possible there could be some involvement there with John Biltroff uh, and Rex Yerman. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but these are all things that you're looking into at this point in time, correct? Yeah, and we're, we're looking into it. We're, we're following the same procedures and methodology we did with the Gilgo Four. And, uh, you know, there are, um, you know, a lot of uh, investigative leads to run down and when we're uh you know we've concluded that and we're ready to speak uh we'll, we'll certainly do that and we like to speak with with indictments we like to speak with charges in court yep no question about it um demeanor wise as far as yorman and his attorney and everything else when you're in that courtroom and, and listen you're you're a human being you look at emotions and everything else uh, can you did you notice Anything as far as Mike Brown was concerned? Was there surprise? Yorman kind of, you know, very stoic in nature, uh, as he has been. Was there any unusual uh, uh, situations uh, that you noticed been different from the past? No, I think, I mean, I think it's a process, 
whenever anyone gets charged with a crime. So, you know, the you know this it's it's sort of uniform from from uh, person to person. And you know, the, the defense attorney, you know, he's he's an experienced defense attorney. So, uh, really, nothing there. I think I think the biggest thing. Uh, was the, the DNA evidence and the fact that it was nuclear DNA evidence, which, uh, you know, previously uh, it was difficult or if not impossible to get uh, nuclear DNA results from uh, a hair shaft. But now, the, the you know, the technology has sort of um, continued to progress. Yeah. Ray Tierney uh, with us uh, regarding... Uh, Rex Yorman in the courtroom yesterday indicted on a new murder charge, killing of that fourth woman in, in Maureen Brandon Barnes six months uh, after he was charged with killing three other women uh, whose remains uh, indeed found along Ocean Parkway uh, in year 2010. You know, you talk about this nuclear DNA. It might be new to a lot of folks out there, uh, Ray, but the fact is, you know, we talk about this all the time, this new technology uh, of DNA, familial, and everything else. I always go back to the uh, Katrina Vetrano uh, individual, the Howard Beach jogger, and that is Chanel Lewis, and everything else, and, and, and that utilization of new tech really tracking down that killer. I mean, it is amazing what we have seen over the years as far as some of the nuances involved, huh? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, um, when we first broke the case, you know, we used mitochondrial DNA, and, you know, there was the talk that that was cutting edge. It wasn't. You know, the first mitochondrial DNA uh, case was in uh, 1996. This this uh, particular DNA uh, procedure to be used on hair shafts, uh, this, is, uh, this is relatively new. Uh, there's a couple of other jurisdictions that are, are currently litigating cases, uh, but not a whole lot. This is uh, pretty cutting edge, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's, it's what the forensic field, it's what the medical field, uh, you know, paleontologists use this uh, procedure to identify Neanderthal bones. So it's, it's widely accepted in, in uh, the scientific community, and it's perfectly applicable here. You know, it's amazing. We're talking to Ray Tanney, of course, Suffolk County District Attorney. You know, we learn of a pizza crust being so instrumental, being thrown out in Manhattan, a napkin, a coffee cup, uh, you know, they're tracking down. And and even, you know, you find one of these bank card statements in one of this guy's storage units showing, you know, some sort of a charge at an Atlantic City hotel. You know, you kind of put two and two together here, a time period when police searched those units after his arrest. And, uh, you know, you corroborate that with his, you know, I guess his family being out of town and everything else. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of puzzle pieces here that kind of seem to be put together based on some of this stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's in general, this is the way we did this whole entire case. You know, when we got here, uh, the case was uh, 12 years old. And, uh, you know, so you have to sort of look through everything. Uh, and then uh, about three months into my term, uh, we, we identified uh, Rex Yerman as a suspect for the first time. Now we've got to go back. Once we identify that person, we've got to go back, uh, uh, you know, 10, 12, 13 years uh, and try to establish a timeline, try to figure out what's going on. Uh, and we were able to do that through financial records, uh, through a series of burner phones that he used. Uh, but it was really, you know, dogged, uh, painstaking investigation uh, by the task force members. Yeah, no doubt. And also, I tell you, you know, you... 
you look at uh, some of the situations involved in reading some of this stuff that Yorman had looked up on the commu- on the computer, uh, just staggering stuff that only uh, uh, somebody of uh, demented proportions uh, could could pretty much uh, you know pretty much absorb. And you, and you look at some of the exchanges uh, and everything else. And, uh, and this was a guy who, you know, searched for, uh, ladies and gentlemen, pornography, rape, torture, uh, sex workers. And we're talking not just once or twice. You know, we're talking, you know, thousands of times there. So, you know, that's another indication regarding the makeup of a guy like Rex Herman, it seems, right? Yeah, I mean, very much a person who, who lived a dual life. He had the the public-facing life, and then, you know, he utilized these burner phones and these fictitious email addresses to sort of uh, uh, engage in these other activities. And, uh, you know, it it took a lot of work, uh, and it took a lot of work on our part to try to unravel it all. Uh, No question. Another fascinating part of this whole storyline, you know, you go back a couple of years, then the commissioner, Geraldine Hart, holds up this belt, WHHM, and Brainerd Barnes's remains were bound with that distinctive belt embossed with those initials. And, you know, you think about it and everything else, and then you trace it back to a guy by the name of William Yorman, who happens to be a relative of Rex Yorman. I don't know. I think he's the grandfather, if I'm not mistaken, maybe. Um yeah, grandfather, grandfather, yeah. And even some bizarre history that somebody sent me, Ray, over the weekend. I mean, it is bizarre as far as, you know, maybe a chip off the old block there uh, with Rex with some of the goings-on of of the grandfather there. Uh, I mean, I mean this storyline just keeps going and going and going with twists, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, so Maureen Brandon Barnes was, uh, she was bound by three separate belts, uh, one of which had uh, the WH or HM uh, initials on, on the belt itself, embossed in the belt. Um, and then the, the hair, uh, the wife's hair was found on the bottom belt that, that tied, uh, that bound Brandon Barnes's legs. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. So I mean that was that was the belt the images of which the county released you know that news conference January 2020 you know I guess it was you know an attempt to maybe drum up some tips and everything else um, but uh, uh, certainly uh, that was uh, the case Ray Tinney with us so Ray give us uh, give us kind of the next steps as far as maybe another you know, court appearance whatever where are the next steps now in this case. So I figure, I think it, um, the next case, is it's on in February, February 6th, I believe, uh, and there's going to be a bail application made by the defense at that time, uh, is my understanding. Um, you know, we're continuing to work through the discovery. Um, now that the grand jury has completed in, uh, you know, with regard to the Gilgo Four, that, that, that really frees us up to uh, um, increase our efforts to get the discovery and prepare the case for trial. Also frees us up to continue to investigate those other uh, still unsolved cases. So, um, you know, it doesn't really, it, it, you know, our focus here and there might change, but 
you know, our, our job description really doesn't change, and it's continue to work as hard and as fast as we can uh, to put these cases together. Um, you know, really nothing happened on these cases uh, for 12 years, and, uh, you know, it's been really, ever since we got there, it's been a fever pitch. So we're going to continue to work, you know, and everybody, you know, says, you know, what's taking so long? Uh, you know, it's a lot of work, a tremendous amount of work that is involved in that, and, and that's what we're going to continue to do with our task force partners. I know it's very early, very early on here. Do you see this going to trial in 2024? Um, you know, I, I think that's really up to, um, you know, the defense and the court, uh, not so much me. I mean, we've got to get this discovery out. They've got to absorb it. And now, you know, you're talking about all the, the various um, forensic evidence that we're using, the cell site stuff, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, uh, and the DNA. You know, we've got mitochondrial DNA uh, done by one outside lab. We've got nuclear DNA done by another outside lab. So there will be, you know, motions to suppress evidence. There will be evidentiary hearings. So, there, you know, there, there's going to be a lot involved uh, before, you know, before we get to the trial stage. Are you under the mindset, Ray Tinney, right now regarding the uh, former white <clears throat> talking about Ace Ellerup as far as involvement? Uh, are you a hundred percent in uh, in that mindset that she knew nothing, had nothing to do with any of these murders? Well, I mean, she certainly, uh, you know, there's absolutely no evidence that she participated in them, quite the contrary, actually, because we were able to uh, definitively prove that the family was out of state at the time of the the commission of the crimes. And, uh, you know, it very much seems that uh, with regard to these activities, it was this dual life that he was exhibiting and, um, you know, uh, what she, she actually knew or didn't know. Only she knows that, but uh, for, as for her participation, there's, there's no evidence of that. Um, and I'm sure you're going to be making your way in and around as far as, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, uh, as far as uh, John Biltroth uh, is concerned, Ray, as mentioned, uh, already uh, doing time for the two murders there of uh, Tangredi and McNamara. Um, is it your belief that... Rex acted alone at this point in time. And listen, you got a long way to go. I understand it. But is it a feeling of many within the confines of the staff that Hjorman acted alone, or did he have help along the way here? Well, with regard, with regard to what, what he's been charged with, there's absolutely no evidence that there were any uh, accomplices. And really, when you're talking about this type of activity, it's really you know, solo type of activity where, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, talking with sex workers, uh, you're, are, you're identifying one uh, that you want to sort of uh, separate and, and, and stalk and kill. Um, that's very much, and one of the reasons why you, it goes undetected for so long is because you don't have accomplices, because uh, more often than not, accomplices will talk. And I guess the last thing would be, you know, regarding Shannon Gilbert. Because it was in May of that year, 2010, where she went missing. And the disappearance, of course, preceded uh, by that infamous call to police, Ray, during which she said, I'm just going to paraphrase off memory, they're trying to kill me, I believe. Uh, and a lot of people say the call was frantic. She sounded 
frightened. Police have said, though, that she seemed a little more, you know, composed than some of the reports. And regardless of the tone, though, you know, the call's intentions kind of remain a mystery here. Uh, maybe she was with that driver and a client named Joe Brewer at the time. We know the Brewer name. An official has heard the call, you know, kind of slated that she sounded irrational, bipolar she was, and everything else. I mean, there are still a lot of questions regarding Shannon Gilbert running from that house and attempting, at least, to get help from some of the neighbors there. Um, is there anything that could surface soon regarding a lot of these questions? Well, listen, we, we look at these cases, and, and uh, I think the public has a misconception on how you know cold cases are done. Uh, or so-called cold cases. I mean, you don't you don't start with a suspect and then try to spit the suspect into a, a particular murder. What you do is you look at each murder uh, separately, uh, and you re-examine all of the evidence. You go back and you re-examine all the evidence. You see what was done. Uh, you see what uh, needs to be redone or what has never been done and needs to be looked at. And then once you establish those universe of facts, you move from there. Um, so we, you know, we, we, we go, we're going to endeavor to do that. We have endeavored to do that with regard to a number of these cases. Uh, we're not going to, you know, comment individually on each, each of these investigations until our investigation has concluded. Uh, but that's basically, you know, that's basically what uh, you do. And, and you know, being, uh, you know, being privy to the, the investigation, there's a lot of information about all. Uh, all of these murders, or certainly a large number of, of the murders, that the public just doesn't know about. Uh, so that, you know, guides our, you know, our uh, investigation, uh, you know, in certain ways. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to continue to do that. We have been doing that. We're going to continue to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, when, when, when uh, we're ready to charge, if we're ready to charge, that's when we'll talk about it. And I'm sure, uh, you know, as mentioned as well, the former police chief, James Burke, uh, you know, had uh, a lot of accusations keeping the FBI at arm's length uh, from this investigation. And uh, certainly, hopefully, you know, we're going to get some answers uh, regarding uh, Jimmy Burke and uh, whatever involvement, if any, if any. Uh, And I'm sure one last thing. And I still have well, a lot of I, questions. I just, Jay, Go ahead, Ray. I just want to comment. I want to comment. So, so Jimmy Burke kept the, the FBI out of the investigation. When I got there in 2022, the invest the FBI was nowhere to be found. Yeah. They were not participating in the investigation. So, did Jimmy Burke drive him out in 2022? So, uh, that's what I'm talking about with regard to you know things that are reported on, uh, and then you get into the room and you see how things actually are. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to, to work those cases, but, uh, you know, it's an undeniable fact that in 2022 the FBI was not participating in this investigation. Does, Long, uh, af- that was after Jimmy Burke got out of jail. Right. Does anything preclude you, Ray Tanny, from talking to former DA Tom Spoda on any of this? Um, you know, if I found it necessary, I'll, I'll talk to anyone. Uh, and everyone. Uh, but again, I have to find it necessary. Gotcha. Ray Tinney, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, Suffolk County District Attorney working this case like no one else. Um, we'll keep an eye out for things, Ray, and we look forward to having you on again. Thanks, Jay. We enjoyed it. Appreciate it all.